This episode of Harmonious Gentlemen is brought to you by Blind Man Brewing, makers of excellent craft beer and building community in central Alberta. Say hi to Hans. He is amazing at Cornhole. Well, if podcast episodes were the size of Astor Restaurants' steak in ounces, that's made famous by their steak challenge. You'd know this has to be episode 82 mm-hmm. of The Harmonious Gentleman. Guys, how many ounces of steak do you think you could eat if the meal was free upon completion? Well, definitely not 82. That's crazy. <laughs> no. that, that's what that is, right? 82 ounces of steak. Yeah. No, I like, could do like 16, maybe? Yeah. 16. I'd go for 20. So in order to fulfill the requirements of this challenge in this Corpus Christi, Texas restaurant, you have to give 24 hours notice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a 45 minute timeline. You have to eat a big baked potato and a side salad that comes with it oh, and an 82 on. ounce steak. And if you do, the steak is free. If you don't, it's $109.99. Oh my goodness. It doesn't seem worth there, it to me. Is there a Hall of Fame mentioned? Like how many folks have managed I to pull it off? I think four people have done it according to their website. Wow. A question wow. for you I'd have is, who do you think of the people you know could eat, could satisfy this challenge? Like anybody? If I guess somebody, is that an insult to that person? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it might be. That's why I want to do okay. it. Okay. I had a buddy uh, in university named Forrest, and I watched him uh, set a new record for wings at one of the pubs at UBC okay. campus. And Forrest, I he'd be a candidate. And so for I think sure. Forrest would be up for the challenge for sure. How many wings did he do? Oh, I don't remember. But it was, a, it was, I, was I felt sick the whole time. I couldn't believe what I was witnessing. It was just like mm. more and more, I don't know. He didn't get him for free. He was just trying to set a record. Wow. It meant nothing. Yeah, I'm getting sick just talking about this. <laughs> okay. Let's change the topic. Uh, any feedback? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> nothing formal, really. Yeah. But I I did have a conversation with, a, I wouldn't say a current listener, a past listener Uh-oh. of the podcast. Oh, that's kind of sad. Mean? We have a past uh, listener. Just last night. And we we weren't talking too much about the podcast, but it was a very much... A very challenging conversation because he this this friend he's very good at uh, having conversations, but he really challenged my ability to remain harmonious. We talked about Alberta's uh, premier, mm-hmm. and he was very just upfront asking questions. What do you think about Alberta's premier? And it became clear immediately that we had strong opinions, but on opposite sides. Ah, uh, yes. So. Driving Chance for growth. We were, I was driving while we were having this conversation. I was gripping the steering wheel so hard <laughs> and uh, just white knuckling it just because I was the trying so hard to this conversation. Yeah, just get through it harmoniously. And hmm. I mean, our last episode was about bragging, so this is a little bit of a brag. I was able to make it through harmoniously. Good for you. Yeah. But uh, kudos to this friend, too, because he was really good at kind of asking questions. Yeah. And would, if we standard. tracked him down, would he, do you think he would echo that you remained harmonious? I think so. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, and with hopefully an election coming up in the new year, we may have more chances for those conversations. And yeah. uh, I think we have a, an episode in the works, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that may address some of that. Stuff. Asks more of those questions. Well, to and this is kind, people. kind of an early recommendation was, I was thinking I might recommend just finding people who you disagree with and having conversations like that. Yeah. Even though they're super uncomfortable and challenging. Mm-hmm. But afterwards, it, I don't, we talked about empathy a few episodes ago. Yeah. Really increases that. So. Awesome. so that's it. No emails, but that's great though. Face to face conversations. You kind of, it's a little braggy the way you talked about yeah. that conversation. No, but right? I think I'm more comfortable bragging now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> hey, in case you can't tell, we are not in uh, Tyler's home on the comb. We are actually in 5024, uh, one of our favorite and of three sponsors. Um, we are sitting in their front room with a coffee. And this place, Chris, talk about this place. It's amazing. It's a skate shop. It's a coffee shop. It's got great clothes. I think just seeing how busy it is, people coming in and out doing some Christmas shopping, there's a lot going on here. So mm-hmm. we recommend that you get down here. It's and really if you come soon, you could see our friend, our new friend, Will. <laughs> of course, this yeah. comes out two weeks from now, so it is much too late. <laughs> you can travel Never time mind. back two weeks. <laughs> Edit that out, Graham. We always have problems. Uh, shout out to listener Nathan, who I can see right now. Giving him a little wave. Good guy. Hey, Nathan. Cool. All right. Well, we have guests as well. Yeah. which we haven't mentioned. Will is joining us. Hello, Will. Hi. Yeah. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. It's awesome. We could actually like, for the first time we come in here, have a guest as well. It's a pretty special day. Yeah. Um, we're going to do a little break, recommend some stuff and get to know Will. Cool. That's great. Cool. 
These recommendations are brought to you by Cilantro and Chive, spreading the love while serving up mouth-watering dishes and good times. And we're back. My recommendation uh, is to hide a key when you're locked out of your house, but don't put it in a box that will be hard to open when it's freezing cold outside. Cool? Yeah, cool. That's a great recommendation, yeah. Graham. I'm going to recommend another cold weather um, item, long underwear. Thanks, Chris. You got one? Yeah, I do. And <laughs> I'd like to recommend the place that we're uh, talking in right now. It's actually called the 5024 General Store. It's not on Main Street, Lacombe, but I think you could think of it as the new Main Street. It's a sweet location right across from Cilantro and Chive. It's got uh, just all kinds of things to, first of all, drink, like excellent coffee. They've got a combo deal going with Dose Coffee, and the coffee's delicious. We're drinking it as we talk. And we have the owner of the shop, Spence, is sitting with us here right now. Let's ask him a few questions. Hey, Spencer. How's it going? It's going good. Thanks yeah, for having good. us. Good. Anytime. Anytime. It's an awesome shirt you're wearing. Thank you. Yeah, I just got my new Harmonious Gentleman t-shirt on here. <laughs> so uh, I figured it was fitting for the day. So why did you open the shop here in Lacombe? So basically our idea behind it, and when I say our, I mean my wife and I, Carly, and um, yeah, so Carly grew up in central Alberta, in Red Deer, I guess to be exact. And we're both, we met in Edmonton and that's kind of where we established ourselves as a couple and friends and everything like that. And we kind of always wanted out of the, the big city and to do something for ourselves. So um, Lacombe kind of seemed a bit of a cooler place, like it's an upcoming town and it's uh it seems like a place that we could settle down and live and have the opportunity to do something for ourselves. And me being big into skateboarding and snowboarding, I knew that this area has a bunch of skate parks in the general vicinity and uh, not really anywhere for people to buy skateboards or things that go with skateboarding. So we figured it was a bit of an untouched market in that aspect. And yeah, that's kind of why we chose Lacombe. Do you have like a, I'm going to put you on the spot here, like a one sentence, like vision statement of our, of our shop, of your company, of your shop. Yeah. Um, basically I guess our vision statement would be to bring skateboarding community and coffee to central Alberta. Nice. That's Uh, a good statement. And do you have a recommendation for us? This is a recommendation. Yeah. I mean, my recommendation would be, um, Based on your guys' conversations that I've heard previous, um, I've got a good friend named Will Fraser who um, is heavily involved in snowboarding and other extreme sports and is a great conversationalist, great conversationist, and um, is uh, sitting here right beside me for you guys to speak with. Oh, so we should talk to him. Yeah, I think that'd be awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for having us in your store today. Yeah, Hopefully no, it's not the last time we do this. Definitely. It's really fun. Yeah. yeah. Will, you're already here. Hey, guys. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a final recommendation for our listeners? Will here. I had a whole bunch when I was thinking about it, but then I recently just turned around behind me at 5024 Shop and I saw Coffee News, which I think is probably my favorite newspaper of all time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Great jokes inside of it. Uh, great facts. Trivia. Just... Yeah, great trivia. And um, so, yeah, uh, that comes highly recommended. <laughs> Coffee me. news. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, well, Love thanks, it. Will. Thanks, Spencer. And, uh, boys, a little more coffee and then we'll get going. Yep. This harmonious conversation is brought to you by 5024 General Store Skateboards Coffee Community. Visit them online or in beautiful downtown Lacombe. All right, we've, we've mentioned a few times that we have a guest here, but we haven't really let our guests speak. So this is the segment where that will happen. Will, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and why you're on this podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess my name's Will Fraser, and I think I'm on this podcast <laughs> because of my friend Spencer, who just yeah. recommended me, yeah. uh, but also because of some of my background and my background in extreme sport and then my more recent background in... Uh, psychology yeah so tell us about 
tell us about that. Like what was the, what is your background in extreme sport? Yeah. So Spencer actually, and I go back a long time, uh, since we were kids, he was 14. I was 16. Still remember the day we met Spencer. <laughs> camp of champions, yeah. uh, uh, a snowboard camp that Whistler used to host. And we were there snowboarding and snowboarding has been a big part of my life for a really long time. Like, I think I was, a like a sponsored snowboarder for about nine years of my life and, you know, making snowboard movies and talking about it, writing about it, making skits, that sort of thing. Uh, setting aside all my winters to prioritize snowboarding and make it my thing. And, you know, <laughs> the goal was to be a professional and I, I, I got pretty far, but I wouldn't say I was professional. <laughs> okay. well, I think when you're sponsored, you're a pro, yeah. right? I've always wondered about that. When a person is sponsored, is that what's the step between sponsorship and professional? Are you getting like free gear or are you? This is a really interesting question because snowboarding is like less structured than most sports. So it's actually a really ambiguous thing within snowboarding. What is the difference between a sponsored athlete, an amateur athlete, a professional athlete yeah. is like, is it payment? Well, it depends. Like not all pros necessarily get paid because not all companies can afford to pay pros. Right. Uh, are amateur and sponsored athletes, what's the difference? Like it's actually really hard and convoluted question within snowboarding. But um, I got a lot of experiences and got invited to some pretty cool things throughout snowboarding and got a lot of free stuff <laughs> at some points. And that was... Yeah, that was nice. It helped me keep doing it and be involved in this sport for as long as I could or as long as I felt like I really, really wanted to be. And uh, yeah, so I don't really know how to articulate. Yeah, that no, that helps. Yeah. But is it like they're, you're really good and people are watching you, so they say, hey, we want you to wear our brand? Is that kind of what yeah, sponsorship looks like? I think or? back then too, because when I was doing this more, it was more about what video are you producing? Who's watching it? What mm. websites is it on? If it's on the right websites and you're getting more views, That's getting cool. more views, yeah. you get reps contacting you or you can reach out to reps and ask for things because they kind of know who you are. Now the landscape's a little bit different where it's less about what websites you're on or what magazines you're in and more more about you know Instagram following and, and posts mm. and, and that sort of thing. And uh yeah you're, you're marketing sort of yourself cl- kind of yeah totally yeah. when you were in it did you have a goal like an end goal in mind like a like this is what i'm aspiring to or just well, i want to do this as long as i can i think just, just to be straight up honest i just wanted to be a pro snowboarder like that was the goal since yeah. a, a young kid it was like i want to do this professionally why wouldn't i want to do this professionally yeah, no yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay from a pretty yeah. young age yeah yeah are you still involved with snowboarding yeah. So it's been a big part of my life for a long time. And there was a part where it became less focused on snowboarding, more focused on changing life up, being a little bit more, I don't know, in some ways I think about it like multidimensional. Uh, I got kind of burnt out on a lot of the grind of what it means to try and pursue something professionally. And um, that's a whole other story, which we can or cannot get into. But Currently, I'm still involved in snowboarding a lot. Yeah, I'm a senior writer for King Snow Magazine, which is like Canada's only snowboard magazine. And it makes a lot of really good content. And I've got to be with them for five years. I'm still making some fun snowboard videos on the side, but everything's far less serious than it once was, which feels really nice. Yeah. You're still heavily involved in the scene. Like you're following the scene, you know. I still know, yeah, I'm making, yeah, totally. With King Snow, it's whatever. I'm making posts on it. I'm watching people. I'm writing about it. Like, it's still a huge, And are you snowboarding with those people? Are you kind of at a distance or like you're shredding I can still I can still shred with some of them. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, But it's, it's just not the same. I mean, maybe one of the interesting things that leads to our bigger conversation of sport and psychology is that about five years ago I got like my fourth or fifth concussion and it really changed my life and I had a lot of concussion symptoms for months or almost probably a year afterwards and it really forced me to define what my snowboarding now looked like because I honestly was like traumatized from that Mm -hmm. experience that like do I want to do this do I want Mm -hmm. to go this big or spin like this or hit these jumps what is my snowboarding now going to look like? Because the answer to all those questions was like, no, you know, I've had so many other things that my brain helps me do 
through school or psychology, yeah. which I'm sure we'll get into. And, you know, it becomes a little bit of a risk benefit analysis. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, so I can pull up to some of those guys, but I'm not always eager to do the bigger things that I was doing before. And it's been an interesting process of renegotiating hmm. my relationship to the sport. And I know one thing we discussed beforehand was extreme sports as like a category. Like, is snowboarding an extreme sport beyond a certain point? You know what I mean? Like, at what point does it become an extreme sport? Right. You know? Like, there's got to be guys doing stuff that's just... I mean, I've seen some stuff where it's, like, just crazy. I can't believe they're doing certain things. When you were in it, were you pushing yourself like that? Were you sort of, like, you had a limit, I'm not doing what those guys are doing? Or you're just going off, going for it? I mean, there are limits, but you're always just trying to push it. Because especially when I was doing it, there was a big emphasis. It was during X Games Real Snow. And you guys can look those videos yeah. up. And it's, like, snowboarding essentially was, like, trying to be as big and gnarly as it possibly could. Yeah. I think it's really evened out currently it's a lot about aesthetic and new spots and a little bit more about creativity but back then it was just like go bigger so you can get noticed yeah, and yeah yeah get whatever you want from that yeah did i recently see you in a red bull canada video yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. okay i'm just curious That's cool. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. You don't need to talk about that. Yeah. Just, <laughs> it's just that's, it, that's that just happens because I, you know, I have old friends who who made it, you know, and some that was with a friend of mine, Craig McMorris, and he's a great guy, and I love and respect him a lot. And he pulls up to Calgary or Sunshine every once in a while. We get to ride together, and I just reap the benefits of being his friend and mm-hmm. having that relationship for years. Sweet. Um, so we want to. I guess ask just how, how does that, you, you touched on a little bit, but how does that move from being an extreme athlete lead into kind of what your work now? How does that transition happen? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. That transition was pretty slow, but it was essentially at a point where I was really burnt out of what it meant to sort of shake hands and try to meet the right people and placate to get the things that I wanted. And, and I mean, maybe my perspective was wrong to start with back then about how to go about yeah getting what I wanted out of snowboarding but at some point it just felt like this can't be all there is to life and for me I was living in Victoria when that happened and I decided to move back to Edmonton I started going to school and I actually started taking that question really seriously and studying philosophy like what is the meaning of this like what am I doing right now and so I was taking that question super seriously and still trying to snowboard. And yeah, eventually that progresses into all sorts of stuff. That progresses into me being a social worker for a little while, uh, then getting the head injury and rethinking things, working marketing for a snowboard hill, um, which was great. But then always just kind of having this nagging, almost question of, you know, what if, what if I could be a, a psychologist? I thought that was always a really interesting job because essentially that dealt with questions of what is the meaning of life in like a really applied way. And, mm. and the idea of like, how do I help people or help myself even live a more fulfilling life? Well, you mentioned your fifth concussion, you said? I don't really know. I can't remember. (laughs) I think it was my fourth or fifth. Okay, sorry to laugh at that. uh, It's okay, yeah. But a bit of a turning point maybe for you and how you were viewing yourself and your life and trajectory of what you were doing. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. It was a huge turning point in, in, yeah, as I said, what snowboarding meant to me and what my space in snowboarding might be or what I might occupy in snowboarding. And to be honest, I think that's a pretty good segue into what we're talking about today, like extreme sport psych, because I think it really sent me on this journey of trying to understand my own emotions and body and overcome some of those narratives that I had, you know, kind of subconsciously existing in my life. So what would one of those subconscious narratives be, uh, for example? Right. Yeah. I think, I mean, a part of some of that is, 
is I always just felt like I was the master of my own body and I can just make it do what I want, no matter what it might be going through, pain or tiredness or whatever it may be. And I think that held throughout snowboarding and school or anything, right? It's just like, get down, grind, go for it. And that really brought up a lot of questions for me, the head injury about, you know, what I can and can't do. And then also, what is my body saying and doing? And how do I actually feel right now? And what are the benefits of listening to it? Uh, which I think maybe a lot of people don't have a lot of experience doing. But And although that was a hero, kind of a terrible experience for me, that was one of the more beneficial things that came out of it was a little bit more self-awareness. Yeah. Do you think... To be successful in a sport like snowboarding, you need to be able to sort of turn that off? Yeah. Yeah. This is a really interesting topic because I do think that there is an aspect of needing to turn it off, right? When you're dropping into something and let's say, I'll just use myself as an example, like one of the scariest things I ever did was in Calgary. It's a down ledge. It's made out of concrete. On the left-hand side, there's probably like a 35-foot drop, just a, a flat loading deck, essentially. On the right-hand side, it's it's grass. It's still like 15 feet to grass, but it's not concrete. Yeah. Um, and when you're doing that sort of thing, you need to just zone in and turn those things off because I found at least the more you obsessed about it, the less your performance actually the less you're able to perform, mm -hmm. right? If I'm constantly thinking about, well, what if I go this way? How do I do this? Like you have to take those necessary precautions, maybe to put a little bit of snow on that side. So it's not right to concrete or something like that. But a lot of the times I found that if you get really caught up in the what ifs, your performance can stop. So what I found I needed to do is like, you need to zone in on what's going on. You need to shut those thoughts down. You need to shut maybe what your body's saying down. You need to, just do what is exactly in front of you. But for you, was that that was a conscious decision? Like it wasn't like, or is that happening in like real time? And I think and it happens both. It's like yeah. conscious and unconscious because you can feel yourself getting obsessed about like things and, and being nervous. But then you also take this time just to like bring yourself back into your body, focus on what you need to do and don't think about those things that could happen because you need to, you don't want them to happen. Yeah. Well, I've watched quite a few skateboard videos where it just shows someone trying to just perform one trick like and it, the they're like little mini documentaries it shows them just crashing over and over and over again right. and it's not just it to me it seems like they're not just turning off the what if part of their brain it's also blocking out the the actual physical injuries that are happening and then eventually they have to stop because their body like physically can't but for me, if I fall off my skateboard once, <laughs> like I'm kind of like, enough. I'm, that's <laughs> enough. Like that hurt my elbow. Right. I'm not yeah. doing that anymore. Right. Yeah. Totally. Right? Like, so totally. there's that part of it too. Like, do is that a conscious thing too to block out? I just hurt my back. They just block that out. Yeah. Keep blocking going. out that physical pain. <laughs> I mean, I think if we think about it, even in snowboarding, block out that physical pain. Everyone's around you. You got to film it. You want to make a good part. There's all these external pressures and there's these internal pressures of doing it for yourself. And it's just like, okay, get back up, keep going, keep going. And hopefully you get it or you don't. But I think that also relates to other different parts of sport too, right? Like think about when someone's practicing and all the narratives from coaches about like grind, get through it. You can do it, you know, one more rep. And it's this like almost disassociation with your experience that gets you through yeah. that hard time. So you can do that one more leg press or you can, you know, do one more lap around the rink, that sort of thing. Like listen to the coach instead of your body. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and all the things that are going on inside of you. Yeah. Do you. Do you think an athlete requires almost like their own thinking brain to shut off and have that external narrative? Like do extreme athletes have interception the same as like the typical person who would go, oh, that's in me and I, I can't do it. Is that part of their brain they've just coached to to shut off? Okay, yeah, so this is, I think, where it gets really interesting because I think so. They've coached, they've learned ways to shut things off and be present with their body. But yeah. in the literature on this, like psychological literature on this, it shows that this sorts of disassociation that may occur during practice when you're doing that one more grind 
um, doesn't actually help during the sport. So it's kind mm. of this weird catch 22 mm-hmm. where these things that you're kind of doing to overcome whatever may be going on, the pain, the, the, the emotional stuff, um, actually detract from the moment. So yeah, it's this weird, like during practice, you're grinding, pushing through, building oh, these yeah. legs, but actually in the moment, it's sh- the research shows that people who, are more present and more able to listen to their bodies actually perform better at the sport and the disassociation is actually bad. But yet in the practice with a coach or whatever it may be, you're actually encouraged to have oh, that, that sort that of disassociation. Really yeah. well, the World Cup's on right now. There, You get to a point where like we, you're tracking somebody electronically. You know they've run this far. You're not going to coach them through the last 20 minutes of the game. You'll sub them out because they know that that's the time to to make it like a tactical decision. But I can see how that those two things in practice, good in the actual performance, it's not going to work. That's it's really not, interesting. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's not necessarily going to work. And yeah, it's interesting how we have that duality almost there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so that's a hard question to answer where it's like the literature says the person who's present and actually isn't disassociating will perform better. But we just had a whole conversation about how you do try to disassociate, you know, and it's, I was going to ask you, when, back when you were trying something dangerous, snowboarding, you started to talk about the way you fool yourself into thinking there's snow down below or you or you dissociate. Like, is that healthy? Like, would you do those things if you didn't trick yourself? Do you know what I mean? Like, you talked about it as if it wasn't really a great way to cope. Right. But at the same time, would you have done all those things right. if you couldn't cope? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, my counseling background is just screaming no in some ways <laughs> right now where it's right. like... You know, it's it's yes and no. Like, there's certain things that you need to do to get through a moment, and I don't want to take that away from anyone, you know, sport or other atrocious things that may be happening in someone's life, you know, the practices that they use to cope for whatever it may be going on. Do whatever, you know, gets you through it. You're, you're a resilient person. But are there maybe some better ways to deal it with it? From my experience, looking back at it, Yes, <laughs> there were better ways to like remain present and not shut parts of myself off. And after my concussions and stuff like that, I was like beginning to become aware of when I was scared. I was hyper aware of when I was scared or when I wasn't scared. And in some ways it became this larger question of how do I mitigate my, my big time anxiety right now and cool myself off and realize that you can do this and you'll be okay. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot going on here because there's a lot yeah. of puzzle pieces on the table right yeah. now. Chris, simplify it for us. Uh, no, it just brings <laughs> up so many more questions. Here's one maybe that would lead us to the, the segment break. But if you currently were coaching your younger self as a snowboarder, what would you have said? What would you say now that would have helped young you? Uh, I think really build some self-awareness about what you're doing and if things feel right or wrong in the moment take that time to check in and maybe don't just do it because it's sick and it's cool and and you're like all fired up right because there's a lot that can happen when you're all fired up i have a, sorry i know we're heading toward a break oh keep it going keep it going if you were to give that advice do you think it would limit uh the the levels you could have achieved right oh yeah no (laughs) so talking to more snowboarders and and older snowboarders Mm -hmm. i think it's just a part of their learning process i think if i learned that earlier i probably would be snowboarding at a higher level for longer yeah because you learn certain things about whether or not it's important to just throw it all on the line right now or, you know, maybe this can happen tomorrow when the conditions are a little bit better. Or in three weeks or, or three months at the end of the year, right? It's kind of more about putting that stuff into perspective, yeah. Yeah. which I think builds a longer career in the long run. There's some people that like free climbing, solo climbing, whatever you yeah. want to call it. Like when I think of extreme sports, that pops on my head. Yeah. Like that is like levels of magnitude crazier to me than a lot of things. Not snowboarding. I'm just, I'm just yeah. for example, that's just real. Some of that stuff is like, I can't. Like, how would you assess that mind? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> is it the same thing happening? They're just better at it? Like, you know what I mean? They're just, they're just, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I know what you're saying, but it's really hard. I don't really want to assess the mind. I want to say these guys are doing some pretty amazing things. And I don't really necessarily know how they're doing it because I haven't talked to them about sure, yeah. their process 
at all. And I think lots of people's processes are different, but I would imagine that uh, there's a lot of presence in those sorts of things and a lot of listening to your body and a lot of listening to those feelings and knowing when to give them credence and when not to, right? Like those guys are still making, although what they're doing seems absurd, they're still making like really calculated decisions about whether or not they should climb X, Y, and Z and maybe what the grips are like or what their fingers are like or what shape they feel like in that day or, you know, how their sleep was or if they're preoccupied with other things. I feel like a lot of these really higher performing athletes, maybe not a lot of them, some of them especially, have that good, deep sense of self. And yeah, I mean, some don't. I mean, yeah, well, you're very reflective and you can articulate that. Do athletes who have that good sense of self know they do have it? Or do some just like <laughs> embody that and it, it's just like a natural process, but they wouldn't be able to say that's what they do? Yeah, I think that's exactly it. It's more of an embodiment. I didn't I didn't really realize the importance of it until I got a whole master's in counseling, right? You put words to it kind of. That. Yeah, and it put words to all these yeah. things that I had experienced before. So I think some of them probably can articulate it, but I imagine a, a large majority of them also can't. Would young you have listened to you well this is such a hard question yeah it's like you know sometimes you just need to go through the motions in order to become who you are in the present right it's like maybe but who would i have been and what would have went on you know it's easy to say i would be different and things would be better but i don't know i think you probably would have listened to some degree (laughs) (laughs) but also but also not yeah All right, Will, what's what's something that you've learned in recent years that you think we should really we should really know? Yeah, okay. One of my favorite books I think ever written and totally changed my perspective on on myself, first of all, with the head trauma, and then second of all on psychology was uh, the book The Body Keeps the Score by Dr. Bissell van der Kolk. Totally life changing book. Like mm-hmm. before this point i feel like psychology was really cbt focused cognitive focused your thoughts make up your emotions those make who you are and this was a book sort of saying yeah you know that's part of the story but your body also keeps a whole other story and just because you can change your thoughts doesn't mean that you're changing what your body is doing and how it's reacting he talks about the ptsd individual you know war veteran who hears the who hears the backfire of a car and instantly hits the deck. It's like, there's no thoughts that he's changing because there's no time for thinking in that mm-hmm. stimulus response, uh, in that stimulus response reaction, right? So it's like, there's something being stored in your body. And for me, that whole exploration helped me understand where I was being triggered and how my anxiety was showing up and led me to this theory called window of tolerance theory, and um yeah it's a really interesting theory about fight flight or freeze energy and living in a zone of optimal functioning and i think it's really interesting to think about first of all how big our windows of tolerance are you can see certain people who may have big windows of tolerance these are the individuals who seems like they can handle anything that life throws at them they don't get too stressed they don't shut down or there's the people who seem like they have really small windows of tolerance where small things can really set them off. It can make them depressed or it can make them super anxious. And I think this theory like really helped me understand what my window of tolerance was. And over the years, continuing to try to develop that window so it can be bigger and I can be more resilient. Because I think one of the main facets of mental health is creating resiliency that ability to roll with the punches so would you say there are practices or habits or therapies that would stretch your window of tolerance or whatever the right yeah uh, verb is there yeah this is you guys are great at asking questions um this is one of my favorite things to do in therapy is a window of tolerance exercise called seeing through the states and essentially i introduce what this fight flight freeze theory is which is in fight or flight your body goes into this hyper arousal state it's feeling really agitated your heart's pounding your pupils are dilated you're buzzing around you can just feel this kind of energy in you and then the freeze state 
which is that total shutdown. That's that depression, shame, feelings of hopelessness. You know, you actually start to physically slow down and your body starts to freeze. And this is all based off of like very primal science, which is our reptilian brains kicking in and to defend ourselves when there's a scary, vicious animal trying to kill us, you either go fight, flight, or freeze. And it's like the fight or flight is fight this animal off. The, f- the flight is get out of here if you can't fight it off. And the freeze is this like, in theory, the more traumatic response, which is like play dead because you don't think the other options are going to work. Mm-hmm. And you can see animals playing dead yeah. in the natural world to try and ward off whatever it might be, right? Uh, this theory really helped me understand myself and I think it's really helped me yeah, understand other people. And when I'm working with clients, we try to create an understanding of when you're in these states because it all starts with self-awareness. So I'm maybe a, a little step behind. Yeah. The If you are tolerant, so like if you're, if, if you're experiencing, a, you're going through an experience and you're not uh, fighting, lighting, or freezing. Sure. Then you're, you're, you're in your window of tolerance. Yeah, totally. But what does that look like when, is that just kind of being, to me, it, you could be in that window of tolerance, but responding differently from someone else who's also in window of tolerance. So is there like a healthy way to be in that window as well? If that makes sense? Or is it like being numb to the experience? What do you mean is like a healthy way to be in? So like if I'm if I if I go to the animal that's experiencing like an attack or something, like an, there's a, a, a threat, a yeah. perceived threat. Yeah. Like how do you, if you're expanding your window of tolerance, are you just not fighting it, not freezing, not pausing to decide? Like what's the opposite of those things? Right. I think the opposite within your window of tolerance is like, and this is how they talk about it in the, in the literature, is your frontal lobes are still online. You're not going to that reptilian side and there's a lot of flexibility in your thought and your decision making so it could be the it could be the fleeing it could be whatever else it might be but it's more of that it's more of that conscious effort and that's not to say like during these really dangerous parts that shouldn't happen the problem is when that starts happening and it's not necessarily really big threats right and now you're in fight or flight and it's like this didn't warrant that type of response and you don't, you don't need to be nervous or anxious in this situation. So it's not to say that you shouldn't run or freeze when danger comes, but it's the problem when danger, and this is with trauma clients, when danger is everywhere and you exist in fight or flight, right? But danger is not actually, I'm doing finger quotes everywhere. Right. Well, I was just thinking about examples of where it is dangerous, but the flight like there's a bear, so you run into, tra- into traffic. Like you know, like you don't really think about. Yeah, you don't have any. Um, there's no consciousness to it. I guess what you're talking about. Like yeah, you, totally. You, you don't make a decision. That window of tolerance. You that you, when you embody that, it's like it's being creative. It's being flexible in thought. It's being interested. Mm-hmm. It's feeling like you can articulate. It's feeling like you can be your best version of yourself. When I talk to people about it, it's like imagine. Being in your window is you being your best self, the person you want to be in your life. And those other states are responses in different ways, right? And I think that's a good way to hook people where it's like, yeah, who doesn't want to be their best self? I want to expand my window of tolerance. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yeah. It's also maybe giving your, it gives your, you time to realize that your thinking brain can, it has time. You don't have to act out of your emotional brain. Like there's... I'm perceiving a threat, but I realize through experience or whatever that um, I don't have to react as I would if it was a bear attack. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. You don't have to act that way. It gives you this, it gives you choice, which when you're going through a traumatic experience or, or people who have experienced trauma, that's another significant part of it is a lack of choice. You don't have an alternative, right? So that choice is like what allows you to, yeah make the decision for yourself and be a closer version of who you are. Tyler and I have some younger children and uh, I'm thinking about them a lot when you talk about window of tolerance and like Perfect. my, yeah. like my seven year old, you know what I mean? Like, like there's something that is not, this is not a big deal and he'll just kind of lose it, you know, tears Perfect. on the floor. This is brilliant. I love yeah. that you're bringing this up because well, I felt like as soon as you learn about this window of tolerance theory, 
Now just start picking it up yeah. with the kids, with the friends in your life. Oh, this person's really anxious right now. And yeah. then you can take it upon yourself and be like, how do I respond to get this person into a state to acknowledge that they're safe here? Mm-hmm. They don't have to be scared or nervous. Yeah. You guys as teachers, yeah. man, that's teaching, right? Yeah. It's like you have some kid acting up and it's about asking. It's, it's not about disciplining. It's about asking why. And then if you can find out that why for that kid, you can change that kid's experience yeah. during that class or whatever it may yeah, be, totally. right? Yeah. So it's, it's a really interesting perspective once you start applying it to other people. And yeah, yeah I think it's, it's valuable for a lot of people to know. I just hope that it's normal for a six-year-old to have a small window of tolerance. <laughs> 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 <You know>? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I think that's really interesting. Like, yeah. are you saying that maybe one of your... Well, just like sometimes, yeah, something will, they'll just be so upset over something that is just so insignificant and this is, mm-hmm. you know, calm down. Like, right. This is fine. Right. It's not, you know, that. Yeah. I've had those conversations where it's just like, you're, it's okay. It's good, yeah. you know. Um, and that's but, actually so great. I mean, people's windows of tolerance change every single day. Amount mm-hmm. of sleep you have, stress at a job, right. other demands that are going on, you know, medical diagnoses, car accident that you got in. Like some days your window of tolerance will be super small and rightfully so because life is crazy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's fair. And maybe that six-year-old, we don't understand that perspective as much because we're adults now, mm-hmm. but maybe that life for them is actually crazy in that moment. Maybe yeah. they didn't get a good sleep yeah. last night and you don't necessarily... No. So I think that's it. really important to build that understanding of why is this person acting in this way? I guess a natural question now would be then how do you help people as they're, right? Like you counsel them, like, how, like practices or rituals or what? Like, yeah, how do you expand it? How do you calm yourself down? How do you become more self-aware, I guess? Yeah. So when I'm working with this, uh, with an individual through that, seeing through the state's intervention, what I like to do is I bring up a hard experience and depending on how i how well i know this person you know maybe it's a 10 out of 10 hard maybe it's a one out of 10 hard you let people guide that because i mean as a psychologist and as people in general we're not here to push people to their biggest traumas and like let's work through it right now (laughs) um but we'll bring up something that they feel comfortable with and then a great way is just to get them to articulate it in one specific sentence so you have one sentence and then take them through a body and mind and emotion state where it's like when you were in this state of fear what did it feel like what were you thinking what was the colors around you what was your world like and it's really interesting to recreate that scenario and then in the moment you just say and what are you starting to feel and then they'll just describe their own window of tolerance states i'm starting to feel really anxious um blah 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 blah. and then you just do this whole self-exploration of oh you're in that fight or flight right now just thinking about this has put you there. Now, let's look at all the things that we just said. When you get anxious, your heart starts to race. Your you start to fidget. You start to talk really fast. How do we now take what we know and use them as warning signs to help bring you back into that window? Or the different side with depression. You get the person to say it and I say, "Say it in a way that is really depressed." And then they'll say their statement in something that's in a way that's really sort of depressed and sad. And it puts them back into that freeze mode and we explore it that way. And then once we have that awareness, it's like, let's build this toolbox because building the awareness is the hardest part of mm-hmm. any of it. You have to be aware of anything before you can change anything, mm-hmm. right? So once you have that awareness, usually I'm pretty stoked as a therapist where I'm like, good, hard part is done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I mean, you continue to build it and all sorts of stuff. I say that kind of jokingly, but... Um, then you start building the toolbox and you figure out what that person likes or what you guys like even um, to relax yourself. It's like maybe meditation, maybe breathing, maybe journaling, maybe swimming, you know, like exercise. Maybe it's a puzzle uh, depending on how much time the person has. You know, what if you get anxious right in a specific state and you can't puzzle and you can't run? Right, like yeah. what's yeah. what are we going to use in that moment? And if you can use these larger things, you can be reflective and journal and whatever how can you go to those to help yeah, regulate your body so you can, again, be the person that you want to be at the end of the day to help rid that, that sadness, that anxiety, whatever it may be? Yeah.
Yeah, so I guess I've been talking for a little bit, but I want to turn the mic towards you guys again and maybe ask you, if you feel comfortable, that is, what areas of your life you'd like to build some self-awareness in? Well, I when I when you first kind of mentioned that during the break, I, I'm not sure if this really counts, but we're teachers. We we talked earlier about how we're, I'm in a classroom of 30 kids. They're all in a different place, and I get so focused on my curriculum and like and getting through stuff. And so often I'll sort of look back on a kid's behavior or something that happened, and in the moment I just don't take any time at all to sort of try to understand where they're at. Like it's almost like I just got to move over it as fast as I can. I don't know if this really really counts, but I just want to be a little more present with my kids. Like instead of me mm-hmm. talking to them, mm-hmm. here's your information. I want to be more present. Like while while I do that, be a little bit quicker to perceive something from a kid or see something where I can help or be more empathetic mm-hmm. or loving. You know, like I I do. Yeah, when I'm in the moment, I don't tell how you feel about that or Chris. When you're teaching those lessons, like you have an hour, you got your crap to get in, and. In retrospect, I think like, oh, I wish I'd said something to that that student. Like now that I think about that, mm-hmm. man, I wasn't very empathetic to that kid. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. my follow up question is like, you've now identified an area that you want to be a little bit more self aware. But how can you help yourself be self aware in that moment? That's a good question. I don't know. I think one thing I do try to utilize is proximity to the kids. Like even just moving myself around the room. I, I don't know how else. Mm. Honestly, that's why. I'm well, that's interesting. Yeah. Like even that response, right? Um, so there's a problem and then you're saying maybe if I move myself around the room that can help me be more present yeah and then we just sort of ask from there you know can you notice when you're exiting your window going into what it sounds like more like fight or flight type energy I need to get things done right things need to happen creating the self-awareness to allow yourself to say hey I need to move a little bit more right now yeah I just find it hard to to, by the time I I think of that it's too late almost you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like I just it's a it's a, I think it's a practice I need to set up for myself. Maybe like a little, maybe a reminder on my desk or, you know what I mean? There's something yeah. like a visual because it off, uh, often it's at the five, last five minutes of class and I'm thinking, oh man, I didn't really even move today. Or, Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and you know, I think I make excuses too where it's like, it's the nature of the job. I have curriculum, which is what I have to do. Right. But I know that's kind of not super true. How do you feel right now? Do you feel like you're kind of in that doing mind state or do you feel more relaxed? Yeah. Well, even just talking about it makes me feel a little more confident that I can that I can do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it's not that. Yeah, I mean, I I I still think I would need maybe more to think on it more, like more strategies besides just proximity to the, to the students. There's got to be something else. Maybe the way totally. I build my lessons, maybe it can go deeper. But mm-hmm. um, it's nice breathing to talk can help, like not necessarily inhaling, but nice long exhales. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I'll just invite you to do right now, we'll have something that I do personally to try and bring myself back into my body when I feel like I'm moving, is just shake. Okay. And just invite all yeah. of you. Let's just shake it up. This is what I do all the time with myself. <laughs> just like, find it, kind of feel goofy about it. You can laugh about it. <laughs> That's good. It does feel good. It does feel good. <sighs> all right. Yeah. I like that. I don't know. So I'll just start doing that while I'm teaching. <laughs> yeah. You can do that with your whole class. Yeah. yeah. Your whole, whole class, class is so like intent on listening to you, and you notice that there's like a little bit of yeah. energy going on, and people need to get it out. Shake it out. Thanks, Will. Yeah, shake it out. Overall. I like that. Exhaling exhale too yeah supposedly it's it's the exhales that really help you relax the mm. inhales mm-hmm. short quick inhales can get get you going yeah and then the long exhale ah, with the sigh can really bring down and help you relax okay yeah great cool. what are you guys thinking what's like one area mm-hmm. you'd like to build self-awareness in i have i have one but i think it's kind of similar to what graham said chris do you have you one want to sandwich it then like i'll go yeah and you then go. Okay. Is a bit different. yeah so my father passed away last year and um one thing i noticed at the time was i turned to food when mm-hmm. i'm struggling and so uh gained weight but also trying to like lift weights at the gym hurt myself and mm-hmm. i was amazed how long an injury lasted with me during that time and my self awareness is probably like just what why do i do that what's mm-hmm. the what's going on there and how come i don't realize it at the time because mm-hmm. it's almost like i guess i'm comforting myself but right i don't notice it till it's too late or till it's three months later or whatever right so that would for sure be one for me how do you think you can build self-awareness in that area like i can use the freaking scale and that would be one way (laughs) (laughs) no but like yeah Uh, like that you're you're asking more like like emotional and and feeling-based self-awareness and body-based self-awareness yeah i think the acknowledging that there's a tie for me to for emotion and 
habits is important and maybe something I haven't admitted before, I guess. Right. Yeah. I think that's a great way to start acknowledging that there is a trigger for it. Yeah. Now you know that there's a trigger for it. Right. And now when that trigger comes up, maybe there's different coping mechanisms. Yeah. Yeah. And being and forward thinking, I think helps in case something comes along, but just having healthy habits built up that instead of relying on no plan, having a plan that you're sticking to kind of in case, you know, cause life's tricky all the time. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There was a fist bump. (laughs) There was a fist bump. Mike fist bump. Yeah. Yeah. That's sick. I'm encouraged by you guys. Well, does that mean it's my turn? I think think so. so. If you want. Yeah. This is a a therapy. I'm just interested in what you guys think. (laughs) Um, the, the situation that keeps coming to mind for me is when I'm at home and I'm doing a menial task, like doing the dishes or something, I'll be thinking about something and then my wife or a kid will start talking to me and it, it's almost like it'll take them a few tries before I can really start engaging. Like it's like I can hear what they're saying, but it's not registering mm. or I am just not even aware that someone is talking to me mm-hmm. and that can be frustrating, I'm sure, for people who are trying to get my attention mm-hmm. and they have to say my name three or four times mm-hmm. So that's the situation that keeps mm-hmm. coming to mind. So I don't know, yeah, so where to a- try to phrase that as an answer to your question, in what area would I like to be more self-aware? I yeah. guess I'd like to be more aware of when I'm not giving someone my full attention. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah has that been a thread in your life for a, a long time, like this ability to just zone in? Uh, I guess so, but probably more, it feels like, it more in recent years. Mm-hmm. that that's been become a, a a theme i guess where do you think it's come from that's what i'm really interested in like why is this developing where is this coming from oh man i i don't know maybe it, like if i'm just going to kind of guess yeah the, if i'm thinking about when this happens usually i've had i'm home from work so i get home from work and i'm kind of i don't even know what i'm thinking about when i'm making supper or doing dishes or whatever it is i'm doing but then there's there's a lot going on in the house, so I'm kind of like maybe it's kind of creating space for myself, and then it's just hard to get out of that. Mm-hmm. Like it's like there's a lot of like white noise, mm-hmm. and then when someone says my name, it's like mm-hmm. it just takes longer than I think it should for me to fully engage. And sometimes I will even like look at the person who's talking to me, and they'll be ta- like my wife will be talking to me, right? And then I won't know what she just said, right? But yeah. So I don't want that to happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it sounds like you're coming home and you just want a space for yourself, right? Where it's like, there's a lot of things going on and you're just trying to decompress, but it's not maybe the best situation to decompress. It. But, yeah. Am but I right I'm, in thinking right, that? Right. Yeah. But I, I, I feel like I am getting that by going into this zone. Yeah. But then what I want to be more aware of is how to switch out of it. Right. Yeah. 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 Or even alternative ways like... What if you do get five minutes every day after work? And now <laughs> maybe this is strange for you to start, but like maybe you get five to 10 minutes every day after work where you go into a room by yourself and you get to do some breathing, you get to do some stretching, you get to spend some time with your, you know, do a puzzle, like yeah. do something that you like, allow for that five minutes, 10 minutes to decompress and so then you can go into the world after that. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. Definitely. Thanks for sharing, Tyler. Yeah. 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 Thanks for sharing too. That's yeah. You guys are all really awesome and super reflective. Well, we're trying to be. <laughs> Your question right? asking like is so like, good. Like it's an interesting thing, right? Essentially, like what I hope this does, and what I've found it does for me at least, is when we build this self awareness, we build our ability again to be ourselves in that moment or more often, and and we get to achieve the things that we want to achieve more frequently mm-hmm. and uh yeah it's kind of as simple as that i don't want this to be a therapy session but no. <laughs> i do appreciate what you guys said yeah well it's helpful even just to be put on the spot sometimes and yeah. have to think about this stuff yeah thank you so much for sharing i appreciate what you guys just did there i feel like it's a little bit of an example of how we can build self-awareness and how that self-awareness can help you better be who you want to be in the moment from day to day like we all have areas where we think we could be a little bit better in yeah 
it, it actually really strikes me how amazingly uh, effective it is to simply have somebody ask you a question. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. And take That's it seriously, it though, too. It's yeah. just someone who you respect or you, or you know and you like it and just they ask you a question and all of a sudden the wheels are spinning that don't spin. Right. Um, well, and then have to try to, because I, I think for, for me, I've thought about these things a lot, but then when you have to articulate it, then you really have to really think about it. Like, I want someone to understand what's in my head. Yeah, that's another layer to it as well. I think a harmonious practice in the way you do things too. There's a little bit of accountability built in there. There's follow-up questions. There's thinking through in a way you haven't approached it before. Like, that's all happening in, yeah, you do it really ex- expert, expertly, 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 mm-hmm. in a condensed period of time. Right. Yeah. It's cool to see. Very much appreciated you doing this. Uh, will you stick around for confessions? Will? Yeah. I mean, I haven't thought about what my confession might be really, but I'm uh, happy to stick around. Thank yeah. you. Once you hear ours, you'll realize it's not that hard. No. <laughs> right. No, it's and really there's not. plenty of things to ask forgiveness for. time for my favorite segment confessions where we uh well we confess things we have a um, kind of a special guest uh confessioner today noah listener noah who's joined us uh at 5024 general store noah welcome hello thank you for welcoming to the podcast i yeah. uh i was very nervous for this confession it's kind of like a dual confession because last night i was up to like midnight just like practicing in that's, the mirror. that's a good confession yeah <laughs> oh, I, I thought just that you stayed up to midnight was the confession oh no i was like practicing in the mirror because i was so nervous to say this confession so yeah and uh so so the confession for a little bit of background i uh i actually bought shirts for all the gentlemen here yeah because uh, i used to work at a clothing store and we got tragically hip t-shirts in at the store mm-hmm. And I knew from the podcast that these guys like the like the t-shirts. So I re-listened to the episode to make sure I like got a t-shirt for everyone who liked it, right? And my confession is I completely forgot to buy Mr. Kuman a t-shirt. <laughs> I do remember this. <laughs> Interesting because I got one. Yeah. So the the reason why Mr. Kuman ended up getting a t-shirt was because Mr. Captain told my mom that <laughs> that Mr. Kuman liked the tragically hip too. <laughs> But yeah, that's the only reason why I remembered. And then I re-listened to the episode. I was like, oh, there's when he said it. So, yeah. but yeah, it, my, it's a little bit of confession because I literally re-listened to it and I still like missed it. So, okay. and I kind of played it off like that. I, that, that was all planned. On purpose. But yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. been like weighing me down a little bit. So yeah, yeah well, I just had to get that off my chest. Well, know what? Um, I'm not Chris, but I, I forgive you. I think it's totally fine. I got my <laughs> shirt right away, so I'm good. Yeah. Um, Chris, how do you feel about that? Do you want to take the mic and respond? Well, I would never have known this. So this is a confession that you could have kept inside because he actually came to my house and delivered it to me wow. on my front step, like rang the doorbell. Hey, I have a present for you too. And yeah. I thought I just missed out because of like proximity location. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. So I was going to give you one of our t-shirts today, but that's not going to happen now. <laughs> no, we're going to, we are going to put a hole in this. Oh, no, we are going to give you a t-shirt okay. here. Okay. In a moment. We are going to do that. Yeah. Okay. Um, after we finish our confessions Good as one, well. Noah. Thanks, Thanks for Noah being for honest. Yeah, of course. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I, these are one of those things now that you know now, it's like now I'm offended. Yeah. And before I was like, no, I'm not yeah, at all. That's why I was here to say <laughs> No, I'm not. Right. Uh, just kidding. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thanks for being honest. Um, I'm going to confess something that has happened over the fat, last few podcasts. I've noticed something about myself will help me um, to think through things about myself today on this episode and i have been interrupting tyler and graham uh on podcasts so that's finally this confession that's part of (laughs) that's part of the confession and the second part is at times when you guys are uh, confessing things i've interrupted for a specific reason to try to get you off the hook like to say you know what that's Mm. not so bad or And Tyler actually kind of caught me doing that two or three episodes ago and said, hey, I'm trying to confess something here. Like, (laughs) just let me say it. So I apologize for being non-harmonious, interrupting, which I think is a little bit of one-upping. It could be a version Mm -hmm. of that or inserting myself into the conversation, Mm -hmm. thinking I'm keeping things going. But I don't know if you noticed today, I don't think I interrupted a single time. Wow. And now I'm humble bragging. 
Um, <laughs> so I want to do better by not interrupting and not interrupting your confessions. Sorry for doing that hmm. in the past because it's not a good trait. And there's ways well, I've thought about like, why did I do that? Maybe it's, but those don't matter. So those are interesting to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another exactly. segment coming up. <laughs> so if, if I do it in the future, call me on it. Yeah. Yeah. Or edit it out. My, based off your confession, like when I'm editing these episodes, I don't really notice. Like maybe I, sh- I don't, like I just, when I edit it, it just flows so well. So maybe that, you know, I appreciate you saying that, but I've never really consciously noticed it. But it's possible I've done it so much you're just used to it. I hope that's not the case. <laughs> I hope so too. I, I have noticed it, but I the specifically during confessions, it doesn't bother me because you are your motivation for doing it is isn't to one up or to kind of derail the conversation. It's like to get like you said, to get someone off the hook or make them feel better about what they're saying. So I Yeah. It's you're, out of like kindness. You're a kind interrupter. Thank you for saying that, Tyler. But still, I yeah. want to yeah. not do. But that don't anymore. take away his confession from him. No. Tyler. Yeah, I, I dang it! Now you're gonna have to <laughs> yeah. confess this next. Time. I do still get how it's a confession. Okay, but. Tyler, what do you got for us? Uh, I don't wash produce before I eat it. Is that a confession? Oh, that's a confession. Like even lettuce. <laughs> what? I don't you have wash to lettuce. wash lettuce. I don't wash lettuce. I don't like a wet salad. So, and I we don't get have one of those spinner things. Oh, I'm gonna buy one for Christmas. And maybe I would use it, but I just don't. I. I told someone that recently we were at someone's house for dinner. I noticed he did a very thorough job of washing the lettuce. And I, I didn't say that I wouldn't never do that, but I, so I was thinking, I'm like, this is going to be one wet Caesar salad. Mm. And, and was it? No, it, was, it, he ended up, he dry, he did a very thorough job drying the lettuce as well. But then I, re, when I said something about the way I make salad and that I, I was curious kind of what he was doing. Um, he was very shocked that I don't wash. Hmm. Well, because we eat at your home every few months for dinner club. Yeah. He's not so coming anymore. Do you probably get sick? Now. now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> also, would wet salad be like the best band name? Wet salad. Sure. No? Okay. <laughs> you can use that if you want. <laughs> I might actually. Okay. My confession is I noticed a slow leak on my tire in my, on my car. Um, like a little bit. Like you'd see it, but it was still full enough. And I would just stop at the gas station every few days and just pump it up a little bit with the free pump. And I knew it was a problem. And my confession is that I just didn't fix the problem until it was much too late. So the other day at school, I came outside after school to a totally flat tire. Uh, it was like minus 25 that day. So I knew I had earned it and deserved it. My confession was that I put it off. I put it off. And my son keeps saying, like, are we going to fix this? I, just, I kept pumping it up every few days. <laughs> Anyway, the voice of reason. So I definitely put it off too long, and um, my tire is this afternoon currently being fixed. So don't put things off, people. Hmm. Call nice. that grandparent, you know? <laughs> Fix that tire. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to jump in, I guess my confession for today is just how much I love uh, 5024 and Spencer and Carly. I feel like they're, they've been really good friends of mine for years, and I just want to put it in the world to let them know that I care about them a lot. I think they're really good people. There's thumbs up and blushing happening <laughs> off yeah. mic. And mini cupcakes behind you, by the way. Do you notice those? Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Just smelt them. That's really kind. Well, we can't um, not come back here and record again. You guys, that <laughs> yeah. was way too much fun. If Spencer Spence, will have us. Anytime. Anytime. How about tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Will, um, how was that? Is that your first podcast? Uh I've done other yeah. sort of speaking things, and uh, it's not my first podcast. Okay, my yeah. first rodeo. Okay, but it's all right. It was great. Yeah, cool. I liked a lot. Uh, I liked your guys' questions quite a bit. I think you're very insightful and thoughtful people. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and yeah. is there anything you'd like to plug? Like any? We usually yeah. give our guests a chance to. Kind of bonus uh, time to recommend things. I'm going to plug uh, maybe going to counseling. I'm going to mm. plug reading King Snow Magazine, Canada's little only only snowboard magazine. Yeah. And I'm going to plug, oh, it's not going to come out in time. Oh. Um, we can. December 10th, the Damn. big air thing. Okay. Uh, so scratch that one. I'm going to okay. plug counseling. I'm going to plug King Snow. And I'm going to plug. So, and King Snow is like the word King, K I N G, snow. Yeah. Okay online or is it uh, like a yeah, printed King's, publication kingsnowmag.com and it's a printed publication there's three a year 
Very cool. Awesome. Hey, Chris, if anyone wants to get hold of us, what are they going to do? Yeah, you should start by going to our website, harmoniousgentleman.com. But you can also send us an email, harmoniousgentleman at gmail.com. Yeah, and you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, basically everywhere. Everywhere you need to go. Yeah. All right, guys. We will uh, meet again in two weeks. Noah, nice. thanks for coming, buddy. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Cool. <laughs> Will as well. Our main guest, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thanks, no Will. Problem. That was really great. Yeah, thanks, Will. Okay, bye. Yep. Bye. Harmonious gentlemen.